Dun, 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 Welcome to Unstoppable with your host, Kerwin Ray. That is me. And today, we are talking to John Matone. He is recognized alongside Tony Robbins and Marshall Goldsmith as a worldwide authority on intelligent leadership and is the coach to coaches. His clients include global heavyweights like Steve Jobs, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, KPMG, Amazon, and American Express. The list goes on. And John has been named one of America's top thought leaders and was a finalist for the Thinker's 50 Leadership Award. This guy knows his stuff. This guy knows leadership and the success it's required in order to do what is required in order to lead teams at a high level. And he'll be giving you the high level on the low down. And if you're ready to become a better leader, if you're ready to create a world-class team that you've always dreamed of, then this episode is for you. Listen up. You're about to learn how to lead. So ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute honor to welcome to the show, John Matone. John, fantastic to have you here, mate. It's great to be here, Kerwin. You, thank you, thank you so much. For you having literally me. just landed like three hours ago. Literally, literally. Well, one of those eighteen-hour flights. Yeah. But I feel fine. I slept, uh, did a little bit of reading, relaxed a little bit. I'm ready to go. And I'm, look, I'm really stoked to have you here today thank for you. a whole range of reasons. But um, like for me, you know, I think a, a superhuman power that is one that is within our reach is, is certainly one around leadership and the ability to develop ourselves as as people of influence that can actually take people on journeys, you know, that uh, in most cases can relate to a purpose of sorts. Absolutely. So to have you here today, mate, is great. So to, in order to kick this off, I know yeah. you use some specific language. Intelligent leadership is something that you use yes. uh, in your in your vernacular. Yep. And it, look, it's very apt, you know, I'd rather be an intelligent leader than, you know, a less unintelligent, unintelligent leader. leader. Yeah. So when you talk about intelligent leadership, what does that mean to you? To me, it is about inner core. So when I talk about the inner core, I talk about things like character, you know, strength and vibrancy of character and, you know, current. I mean, you, you know character is pretty complicated. It's very multifaceted. It includes a lot of things. It includes courage. It includes diligence, uh, showing gratitude to others, being loyal, being modest. Those elements are so vitally important. And what I've seen in great leaders is if you've got a strong character and you've got a great value system and you've got thinking patterns that are strong, mature, and vibrant, your emotional makeup is really strong and mature and vibrant. If the inner core is strong and mature, much higher probability that spills to the outer core, you know? And that's what people see. When people look at leaders, they, and they, you know, think of parents, it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's teachers, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. You know, people observe people and what they're doing is they're watching the outer core. The outer core just doesn't happen. It, it, it's, it's ignited from greatness on the inside or, or lack of greatness. So when we talk about leadership, like, my, like there'd be a lot of people in our society about leadership, it just doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Almost like people saying, you know, people who run businesses, no, I'm, I'm just not into sales. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about leadership as a, as a concept that can be developed in any individual, any human being, yep. who, who does leadership apply to? It applies to everybody. I think that's one of the big reasons we got such a massive leadership gap in the world. You know, all these books that are being written, I've written a few of them myself, you know, I, I look at it and I say, we're just not moving the needle. You know, we've got great people out there doing great things. But, you know, to me, it comes down to we've got a lot of people stuck in their comfort zones. We've got yeah. people wake up every day and they just kind of do their thing. That's not good enough. You know, uh, I think we're, 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 we're put on the planet for a reason to provide a, abundance to the world. You know, ultimately, it's about asking yourself the big questions. We have way too many people who ask themselves the real simple questions. Let's Let's force people, let's push people to ask the bigger questions like, you know, what's my legacy in life? Mm -hmm. You know, am I, am I truly a role model? 
I think we, we got to ask the big question. We don't have enough people mm -hmm. doing that, holding themselves to a higher standard. It's about, I think, touching hearts, minds, and souls. Mm -hmm. I think that's what leadership is. We, we have an obligation. We have a responsibility, all of us, to wake up every single day and, and, and ask ourselves, you know, what can we do to touch hearts, minds, and souls? Not about me. Mm -hmm. Leadership's about touching other people. And you don't need to be a CEO, right, to be able to do that. Yeah, right. you, could be, you could be an eight-year-old child in school. You could still touch hearts, minds, and souls. Well, what's interesting is when you look in nature, leadership comes so naturally. You know, yes. when you look at other mammals, you look at horses, you Absolutely. look at dogs, it seems to come so naturally to them and they don't have the neocortex, <laughs> which is interesting, right? I know it is. So it almost makes you wonder, like, are we so smart that we fuck it up? Like, yeah, we do, we do. Do we, we get do. in our own way? This is in the way, this if is in the way. If leadership is so natural to mammals, why do we humans screw this shit up it's so this. badly? It's, it's head, it's heart, yeah. it's, it's, it's soul. Head, heart, and soul. And, and, and humans, what's the differentiator? We got this, right? Mm. We, we have no shortage of intellect in the world, right? There's, no, there's a lot of smart people running around. Measure IQs out there, they're off the charts. That's not leadership. You know, leadership is this right here. Heart, right? Instincts uh, and, and soul. And it's, it's meshing all of those things in a magical way that, that, that move people so that you take people on a magical carpet ride to their destiny, you know, ultimately their destiny. Yeah, right. So is the journey into leadership, is it really remembering what we already know? Because if we look at, you know, how animals show up and instinctively lead yes. in their packs, and some do it better than others, yep. Yep. when we look at leadership at a, from a human level, are we really kind of regressing a little bit to try and remember what's actually innate, like what's actually primal, and then wrapping it up in the character traits of ourselves to deliver it? I think that's a good point. I think there is a tendency to get stuck and, and think back on things. There's a good, there's a good element to that because we have a reservoir, mm. right? We have experiences that we, you know, if you're intelligent about it, talk about intelligent leadership, tapping into that reservoir and asking yourself, what's yielded positive things in the past? That's the kind of stuff that we want to repeat. That's mm. the kind of stuff that we want, we want that to recur. Um, so I think great leadership is a function of going into the reservoir, tapping into the reservoir, having the courage, right, to look deep yeah, right. and pull out what you need to pull out, right, to provide greatness in the future. And I, th I think it's also about creating a compelling future. But it's not about you, uh, Kerwin. You know, I, 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 I look at this, you know, I, I have a chance to, to work with CEOs, for example, all over the world. You know, I, I coach them. I learned from them. Unbelievable how much I learned from these people. No I learned from everybody. Yeah, right. I learned from everybody. <laughs> you know, that's the key to life to me is to be open. It doesn't matter who you're talking to, right? So um, I, I think it's a combination of things. It's the ability to, to tap in and have the courage to do that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who look at that as weak. And, and they got it all messed up right here because ultimately the greatest act, I believe, of vulnerability is being courage, being courageous. If you're courageous, you can, you can invite vulnerability. Vulnerability is the instigator of growth. Yeah. But I think it's also having the ability to, to create that, that future, that compelling future about what is the essence of this person and leader? Not so much that I want to become. That's not the right question. It's, it's a bigger question than that. It's about the personal leader that I must become. And when you when you when you put it in that language, it's about an accountability to others. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah.
Yeah. Because essentially that's a lead, what leadership is, is an accountability to others. It is. Yeah. It it's is. being held to a higher account. You think of a parent, right? A parent's oh, got a that's where leadership starts. Right? It's incredible. Yeah. You got a massive responsibility yeah. to the, the little people in your life. You know, don't ever take it for granted. It's a privilege. You know, it's a privilege. Is this maybe why so many of us don't know how to lead because so many parents themselves actually were never taught? So it's almost like it's become part of our culture where we, t- we don't know how to lead and so we're picking up these bad behaviors generationally? We do. We test. Yeah. We, we test. We, we try things out. Uh, I don't think we, we learn from our, our mistakes. We repeat those mistakes time and time again. Uh, a lot of us are just, you know, uh, we get stuck in our comfort zone, we believe that our comfort zone is yielding pleasure, when in reality, it's 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 actually yielding massive pain. Mm. Ultimately, we got to disrupt those patterns, and it takes you know it takes leaders to be able to do that. Um, I'll talk uh, you know tomorrow about Steve Jobs. You know, oh, I'm gonna tell I'm you excited what. Excited to get that. This guy, yeah. this guy was a disruptor, mm. not a great leader though. Ultimately, you know. Oh, that's what I want to get to later yeah, in the interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But it, it's about it's about having the courage to disrupt comfort zones, yeah. so that you create new comfort zones that yield pleasure. But wait a minute, we're going to disrupt it again. It never ends. So it's interesting. I've heard you drop the word courage at least a dozen times by now. Yep. One of the biggest challenges I see in the small business space is the, the what I call the freedom equation. Everyone gets into business because they want to have more freedom. Yes. And then they end up getting everything else. But <laughs> I always say to people, you know, who got into business to get more freedom? Yeah. How's that working out? For right. You, right. Right. But what's interesting is one of the things that I've observed is the very thing that prevents people from having the freedom in business is scale. Yes. Like the ability to scale and duplicate themselves. And then when I investigate the reasons why people don't scale. It always comes back to this, or this, 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 this potentiality of where they're going to be put up in front of a room and held accountable. Like Absolutely. it always comes back to, well, then, well, then I'd need more people, and those people will be looking up to me, and then I'll be responsible for these people. And so, when you say courage, why do you think courage is so important to be an intelligent leader? Well, you look at courage. How's it demonstrated? You know, if you look at at people in your life, you know, who have demonstrated courage, they're people who have the guts, you know, to raise your hand and say, you know something, I, I, I'm good. I am good. I recognize that. And I'm proud of that. I'm yeah. really good in these areas. But guess what? I'm not good in these areas. I have the courage to raise my hand and, and be willing to, to, to move the needle and learn how to move the needle in a direction that's going to bring abundance to the world. I think it's about, I think courage also is demonstrated with conviction. You know, if you look at people in your life that, uh, at least people in my life that have had a conviction around things that are important to them and, and them not being afraid to state their convictions yeah. to others professionally, mm-hmm. you know, not, yep. not crazy, yeah. with conviction and professionalism and passion. That's a beautiful thing. I think, I think passion also is a demonstration of courage. We have a lot of people who are afraid to demonstrate passion in the business world. Don't be afraid to be passionate. Don't be afraid to get excited about things. We got, we got a shortage of that. Mm. You know, that's courage. Um, the ability to handle feedback from, from everybody, I think that's courage. Those elements are so very, very, are, are so powerful in igniting growth. If you, can't, if you can't do those things, you can't ignite a new direction. Mm. So that's what I would say. Well, look, I have to agree from my own experience. Like, I still look at myself as very early in my early in my career as a leader, <laughs> but I, I can completely relate to the perspective of it's really quite. It's quite. It can be really scary, you know. It can be really painful. It can be really hard. 
But what I discovered is with the right mindset, with the right psychology, it doesn't have to, you don't have to suffer through it. You know, so how, what would you recommend to people who are perhaps going through the, the tough times as a leader right now? Now, they haven't perhaps rounded themselves out, squared themselves away to the point where they're really nailing it and, and they're maybe going through a little bit of pain. Yeah. You know, they may be experiencing a bit of despair as a leader yes. for whatever reason. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone in that situation? I would say that you've got to look inside and always calibrate yourself. You always got to look inside and ask yourself, am I operating on the cylinders? The, these engines that, that operate within us, we need to ask ourselves, Kerwin, every single day, not, not every second or third or fourth day. It's a matter of, it's, it's almost like an athlete, you know, a golfer, a, a football player. You know, your ability to calibrate is, is vitally important. I see a lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of executives out there who don't calibrate daily. I think it's looking inside. Asking, so when you say calibrate, just for those people who may not understand, what do you mean? You, you, you got you to really hold yourself accountable. How, how did I do today? Mm. You know, if you, if you look at the elements of, of, of character, uh, was I courageous today? Was I diligent? Did I work my tail off? You know, did I really work my tail off today or did I take shortcuts? Okay, those kinds of things. I think also, uh, you know, when you think about it, it's um, it, 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 the, the whole essence of when leaders are struggling, I think you gotta go back to the basics. Number one, are you thinking differently and big, right? And that's one of the lessons I, I did take from my work with Steve Jobs. You know, his whole, his whole mantra around uh, thinking, thinking differently and thinking big was a massive mantra that we can all learn from. And I, and I see it in leaders who struggle. If we stick to that, mm. it's gonna instigate growth. I think the second thing is being vulnerable, you know, having the courage to be vulnerable. Think, think differently, think big. That's a beautiful thing. Counterbalanced by vulnerability. I think we gotta leverage strengths. Always go to your strengths, you know. Don't ever take your strengths and gifts for granted. Uh, be proud of your gifts and strengths. They've served you well. Um, embrace your gifts and strengths. Ask yourself what you can do tomorrow to, to make those strengths even stronger, right? Beautiful stuff. Number four, I think it's important that you look at your, your development needs, your gaps, and, 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 and address them head on. Don't be afraid to address your gaps, right? Execute with conviction and passion. I mean, those things are so vitally, but have a privileged mindset. Wake up every single day and say, boy, you know, I'm privileged. What a privileged opportunity to run this business that I'm in, right? Mm -hmm. What a, what a gift, a gift from above, right? To, to be able to, to touch the hearts and minds and souls of people. Don't ever take that for granted. And I think be vigilant, keep your eyes open. Those, those, you know, those are important elements that when we're doing well, we want to sustain them. But if we're not doing well, even more important that we look at them. Yeah, right. Makes sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. So a lot of us screw this up on a regular basis, some of us more than others, some yeah. of us you know, with a lot more frequency and repetition, yeah. and some of us learn, and some of us don't. But what I'm curious to know is, what's the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to leadership? I think, I think when it comes down to uh, mistakes, there's, there's many, many mistakes. Here's an example that I'd like to, to draw from my own. So, you know, from age 30 to 40, I had my own business. I announced at 29 to my wife, two kids at home at the time, I'm gonna go out and start my own business. I had seen Zig Ziglar speak. I don't, <laughs> the great motivational speaker, right? No longer with us. May he rest in peace. Yeah, so I was working at Conoco in Houston and I was getting feedback from a lot of people. Hey, you're really good. You could go make a lot of money. So I listened to him. I went to see Zig speak in Houston, <laughs> Texas. I was blown away. I said, this guy's incredible. But another part of me said, 
I think I can do this, right? So I did it. And I did it for, for 10 years. And I was, it was all about me. It was all about yeah. John Matone. And my wife was incredible. We've been married 39 years, and she's incredible. Thank you so much. Um, That's great leadership right incredible. there. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. On her part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so make a long story short, you know, I did it for 10 years, Curran, and, and uh, I, I wasn't all that successful. You know, I wrote a couple books, but I, I barely paid the mortgage, honestly. You know, for 10 years, and, and, and I'm running around the world, right, and I get applause, you know, and, and the ego's getting stroked. Boy, I'm good. I help on airplanes. Boy, I did a great job. And I would take any fee imaginable, you know. I'd fly. I'd fly all over the world, $500 USD. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, right? Damn, I wish I'd yeah, done that. It was all about me. All about me. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed. Things have changed a lot. His prices are yeah. definitely a lot more now. So anyway, great. about eight years into this thing, my wife says, you're done. You're not making any money here. You know what I'm saying? You got to go back and, and get a job and get benefits and you know I reluct I, I did it I did it for 15 I, went, I did it for 15 years went back in the corporate world um 55 years old I'm 61 55 I told her yeah I'm gonna do it again so here's the thing uh what did I do wrong uh I did a lot of things wrong and it and it didn't equate to bringing abundance to my family didn't bring abundance to the world who cares about the applause it means absolutely nothing right so I was not a leader. I committed to my wife when I relaunched the business, right? Five and a half years ago, I said, I'm going to do it differently. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to be open. I'm going to surround myself with good people, uh, my board of directors. You know, and if you're an entrepreneur, very critical. You know, you may not have a real board of directors, but it's very critical that you surround yourself with five to seven people who are better than you. Mm. You know, and don't be afraid to go to those people for everything. And that's what, what I did, Curran. I, I created a business where I surrounded myself with incredible people. And those people were still very, very integral in my business. Um, I don't think we have enough people doing that. I really don't. I think it's the biggest mistake that can be made. We can learn from everybody. You know, we could go up to somebody on the street that we don't know and say, hey, I got an issue. I got a problem. Can I, can I share with you my, what my problem is? And you might shock them, right? But you share the problem to the person and you say, what would you suggest? Do you have a suggestion for me? You know, what's amazing is you don't know that person, but they can give you a suggestion that can change your life. It's mm. a matter of being open. Mm. And that's what I did. So my business this time around, very different. So it sounds like the, the, the key difference or the mistake was the first time around, you didn't surround yourself with talent. And this time, you focused on the talent. I did. I did. And, and I was vulnerable. See, the first time around, had big ego. Yeah. Big ego. It was all about me. Yeah. I had all the answers. I just needed to execute. And I didn't execute at the level that I could have. This time around, I surrounded myself with good people. I've got a great team internally now, my team. And the other thing is, I'm just open. I'm just completely open to what anybody says that's going to help me personally, right? And also me and my business. Yeah, right. Massive changes. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, it's interesting. We uh, we interviewed a, um, a Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, in relation to um, some similar concepts. Yep. Uh, and he talks about the importance of extreme ownership. Yes. 
and extreme ownership to him is, you know, is where you take complete responsibility for everything. Yeah. But one of the things that we require in order to take that level of responsibility yeah. is the ability to check the ego at the door. You know, and he discusses how the ego and leadership yes. in, in his field can yeah. get people killed. Mm-hmm. You know, but when we talk about in the business arena, you know, we don't hear about people dying in business, although it does happen. Yep. But we do hear about the, the failures Absolutely. that happen and the, the, the business casualties that happen as a result of people not checking their ego at the door. I love when I see somebody have conviction mm. about thinking differently about themselves, differently about their teams, differently about their businesses, their family. I get excited when I see that. I don't see it enough. Mm. I get excited, I get more excited when I see somebody who does that, who's got a big time conviction about themselves and the people around them. But when they have the ability to counterbalance, right, with humility and vulnerability, there's the magic in my mind that we've got to get, we've got to get to. That's why I'm so passionate about what I do. You know, here I am 61, I don't know, you know, I. Physically, as long as I can stay in shape, I'm going to keep doing this because yeah. you know what well, I'm you're saying. You're on purpose. Yeah, Absolutely. I, mean, like I, I read an article recently. Like, why the hell would anyone retire? How could you retire okay. from, from life if you're doing what you love? I get you know? pe- I get people come up to me. Yeah. I say, I don't know what they're looking at. I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. They look at me and they say, "When are you going to retire?" I said, "What do, we, what, what do you do see I, that I, I don't? What, yeah, what's the issue here? <laughs> why would I ever retire?" Oh, that's fair. <laughs> but look, I think the ego gets a you know gets a lot of heat. Does. But can the ego actually be if it's tamed? Yeah. If it's managed well, because when you look at the greatest entrepreneurs on the planet, they all have a little bit of that. Oh yeah, you know, humility's there, but it's almost like this. There's this counterbalance of oh, yeah. this ample, you know, dose oh, yeah. of ego where I want to go out and create and oh, yeah. conquer. Yep. But also for the great leaders, there's, there's also this counterbalance of humility, this vulnerability, and this this openness. It's massive. It's to me, it's massive, quiet conviction. Mm. You know, when you start to see it spilling over to. Um, um, Somebody who's who's really um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're well. It's it's the ego that's running run wild, yeah. right? It's it's a problem. Um, the ego mania. Yeah, you know, and, and we got plenty of examples out there like that. I I love when I when I've I've got somebody who's got a quiet confidence about themselves, in the quietness of their moments, put their head on the pillow at night. They say, "I'm incredible." <laughs> Right? There's no stopping me. Yeah. That's what it takes. Yeah. Right? But you don't need to go out and boast about it. Right? There's a great thing in, in Taoism, a master never reveals himself. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is so true yep. in leadership. So, leadership, is this something that can be learned? Because some people, you know, treat leadership like sales and go, well, you know, I'm not really a people person. I don't think I'd ever yeah. really learn to sell. Yep. And I've taught 15 year old kids how to sell. Yep. So, is this a skill that is learnable. I wouldn't do what I do. Yeah. I, I can tell you flat out, uh, I get that question a lot. I, I believe all of us can move the needle with respect to us uh, driving a higher level of achievement in our lives, helping others achieve worthiness, right, in terms of their pursuits. I think it's about building relationships and bonds with others. But it goes deeper than just having rela- a lot of people have relationships current, right? Mm. I'm talking about can you create bonds with people that can't be broken? And, and when you think about it, right, most people don't have that. Most people kind of, their construct around relationships isn't deep enough. 
And that's true in our personal lives too, you know? So can you raise the bar to create a bond with a person or people in your life that cannot be broken? That's the question. Mm. Affiliation is a value, right? That's really what I'm talking about, that, that if you can execute is gonna bring centeredness to others, right? And, and you. I think the other one is um, altruism, the value of altruism you know, is, is a powerful value. I think that's the essence of leadership right there. You know, it's, it's about being courteous. It's about being compassionate. It's about being other-oriented. Doing that, you create centeredness in others. Hmm. And ultimately, because, you know, people ask me all the time, I'm sure you get the question too, how do I get to be happy? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But, you know, when you think about it, answer it this way. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna commit every single day to being courteous, compassionate, altruistic to others. All of a sudden you find out, wow, you create happiness in others. Ultimately, there's always a rebound back. That's how you get to be happy. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, that's fantastic. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You talk about centeredness, um, and it's interesting because I've, I've learned probably more from dog psychology and horse psychology than I have from human psychology about leadership and the dy dynamics at yep. play. Yep. One of the things that I've learned from horse psychology and dog psychology is a horse or a dog won't follow an emotionally unstable human yes. in that relationship. Yes, yes. Because they don't trust it. And what they will do instead is they will take the dominant position in the relationship, whereas the horse will try and lead the human or the dog will try and lead the human yes. in yes. that scenario. Yes, And, and what, what we understand by that is that that these animals don't trust yes. that you know what to do, so yes. they feel they have to take over. Take over, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I guess when we look at it from this, from the human perspective, what, how important is emotional stability as a leader when it comes to building trust with people in order to get them to come where we want them to go or inspire them to follow and, and, and go in that direction? I think it's a great, great point, and, 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 I, and I, I love the examples, uh, Kerwin. I, I think, I think the stability on the inside, let's call it inner core maturity, mm. okay? So when I talk about that, I talk about the engines, right? The engines, the character engines, if they're messed up, you're gonna be messed up. If your value systems are messed up, in other words, if, if, you, if you think about power and money, for example, mm. right, as a value, as, as compared to worthy achievement, affiliation, just what we talked about in altruism, messed up. Mm. If your thinking patterns are messed up in terms of you know, looking at a setback in a pessimistic way, right? What's gonna happen is it's gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna spill over to the outer core. It's all maturity, it's all strength, it's all vibrancy, it's all balance on the inner core. And I, and I work with executives and I find out, right? I have an assessment that measures maturity on the inside. And it's unbelievable. What we find out, right? Well, is, you've already, we've already had two of our team that have done it already, and yes. you nailed them both. Like, nailed them. We were talking earlier. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, because you can find out what's working on the inside that are the leading indicators, right? Use an economic analogy. What are the leading indicators that are on the inside that you don't even see? But when you discover, you find out, wow, I've got gifts and strengths on the inside. Maybe it's how you think about things, right? That you, you take it for granted. But when you find out it's a gift and strength, you say, you know something, I can leverage this to be able to navigate tough situations. That's a beautiful thing. And the same thing on the negative side. You might find out you got a derailer. You got, you got a messed up thinking pattern or your value system is, is wrong about it. 
And, and you want to be able to find out about that before you know you you get into a, a tough situation. So you're absolutely right. I think I think trust right is is embedded in all of that. I mean, if you look at all the igniters of the inner core, if they're all operating really well, you're going to build a foundation of of trust with others that can can lead to to, to centeredness. And oh, by the way, I'm going to follow you. Yeah, I believe in you. Trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Stress is something, you know, I think a lot of business owners deal with on a very regular basis. You know, yes. and what we understand about stress is the biochemical response, you know, releases cortisol. Yes. But essentially, in some cases, disconnects the frontal yeah, lobe. That's right. Yeah. And we literally lose the ability to think. Like we lose, you know, 40, 50% of our intelligence in most cases, you know, in seven minutes of a stressful event. Absolutely. So when we talk about leadership, and, and again, this is really important for you know, people who are watching this or listening yes. to this yep. to understand wherever they are in their journey, especially for those people in the earlier journey, what they maybe don't understand is once they become a leader and they're running a business, every single person in that business's problems become your problems. Yes, absolutely. Every single you know, health issue of individuals in that business become your health issue. That's right. Every single thing that happens in that business affects you and you become the buck. The buck stops with you. Absolutely. Which for many people is like, oh shit, well this is maybe the reason I don't want to be a leader. And for others is, well, this is what I want to grow and to be able to, yep. to become. So with the amount of stress that's involved when we consider at scale being a leader yep. on just being a business owner as well, have you come up with any great ways for people to, to regulate the stress as it comes up in a way that helps them maintain a good perspective in the situations that are high stress, high pressure, where clear thinking and solid decisions are required? Yeah, so uh, it's a great point. We, we operate in the zone. Yeah. And what happens is stuff happens. Stimuli is going to hit you. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, uh, and especially as your business grows, you know, it's, it's not going to lessen. It's only yeah. going to intensify. So ultimately, your ability to navigate tough stuff is in direct proportion to your comfort zone expanding, right? Yeah. So the question is, if you're going to be successful in navigating tough stuff, right, what, what elements can you rely on to be able to expand your comfort zone? So whatever happens, you can handle, right? That's called growth. Mm. That's called agility around change. It's called agility around learning. Uh, and it's agility around relationships. So what instigates all that? Current, it's all, all this on, on the inside. It's all of this on the inside. So it's very, very important. For example, under stress, what happens is, um, we, we just talked about a bunch of things, but cholesterol is interesting, right? Mm. Cholesterol is both good and bad, mm -hmm. right? So what happens under stress is the bad cholesterol will, will, will spike, right? Well, it's, what's interesting is on the inside, traits, igniters, engines will also spike in a negative way. And guess what? If they ignite in a negative way, it's going to show itself in behavior. Steve Jobs is a good example, right? Steve Jobs was a predominant artist. He was very creative, probably one of the great creative geniuses mm. ever. So on a particular scale, on my assessment, he scored a 59 on a 60. He scored at the 99th percentile. The second highest person in the database, 6,500 leaders in the database have taken the assessment, Second highest score in the database, 55. That tells you what, what kind of creative genius he was, 59. Wow. Now, you can't score that high on the assessment without having bad cholesterol, right, <laughs> yeah, right. happening. Right. And sure enough, the bad side of that trait was, was this. Under stress, what would he do? 
He would have a tendency not to collaborate. And oh, by the way, he was a very good collaborator when he wasn't under stress. Yeah, right. Okay, which is rare. He was usually under stress, right? Yeah. So what people saw from him was individualistic behavior, right? He would shut down. He would also become self-absorbed, not good if you're a leader, right? And if it got really bad, you know what he would say? I'm out of here. You people handle it, right? So there's, there's the bad stuff. I believe leaders need to be aware of those kinds of potential derailers that are operating on their inside. Mm. And once they know what those negative things are, they can at least uh, uh, ask themselves, what can I do differently or better to be able to So like triggers. Yeah, they are triggers. They are triggers. That's a good way to put it. So that's some of that. But ultimately, I I think the tenets that I said before, think differently, think big. Mm. Be vulnerable. Leverage your gifts and strengths, right? Huge. Number four, address your gaps every single day. Execute with conviction and passion every single day, right? Be vigilant. Have a privileged mindset. If you stick to those tenets, it doesn't matter what comes at you. You're going to be able to you're going to be able to grow your comfort zones and handle anything. Mm. That's what I would say. I love it. In your opinion, what's the difference between management and leadership? I think management's more uh, tactical. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the nuts and bolts of getting things done, planning, organizing, all of that stuff. I think leadership is more of this right here, you know? It's more an instinct, and it's certainly, this is blending very, very naturally at a high level, those elements that, that again, uh, create create your ability to touch heart, mind, and soul. To be a good leader, do you need to be a good manager? And to be a good manager, do you need to be a good leader? I, th- I do think there, there's a high relation. I don't think it's a one-for-one. Right. I, I, think, I think there's high relationships. I think, you know, if you're going to be a great leader, I think you've got, you got to have the basics, yeah. you know, and vice versa. I think uh, it's very tough to separate them, I, I believe. There's a, there's a great book uh, written by a guy called Frederick Leloux called Reinventing Organizations. Are you familiar with it? A little bit, yeah, okay, actually. Great. Yeah. So Tony Shea um, from Zappos, you know, he's yes. a great innovator when it comes to cultural Incredible. experiments and leadership Incredible. experiments. I yep. think he's an absolute... You know, uh, create a bit of a you know eccentric genius. In that <laughs> he really space. is. He really is because he's not afraid to try and test things out. Yep. And they've gone with holocracy, holocracy yes. and completely flattened the structure yes. within Zappos. Within, yes. You know, I think it's like fifteen hundred people in Vegas, fifteen hundred other people worldwide. So about three thousand people, which is a decent sized team, billion dollar plus business, great revenues, owned by Amazon. But what I'm curious to know is, because in our business, and there's a, there's a little bit of a, an intent behind this question, we yeah. have flat structure as well. Yes, yes. And so by by the structure that, let's look at Tony and, and our business as well, what Tony's done is removed all management and yes. just kept a very flat structure. Very flat. We've done the same thing. Yep. Removed all management, kept a very flat structure. And what we've now done in echoing what Tony's done is we now nominate leadership or more probably more echoing Frederick Leloux's book, Reinventing Organizations, we now have identified leadership as not a position but as a behavior. Yes. Meaning that anyone in the organization has the ability to enter the leadership team purely based on, no, doesn't have nothing to do with how long they've been there, anything to do with their skill level or experience, but and everything to do with how do they show up, how do they behave, what yep. is the example that they're setting. Yep. Um, some people, that scares the shit out of them. They're like, well, you need hierarchy, you need structure. You need, if, you can't, if you don't have the structure, you'll have chaos. Yep. In your opinion, when we start looking at these new iterations of, you know, structure, like these flat structures. Revolutionary. What, I'm curious. Talk to that. Like, what's your perspective on it? It's going to take years. I, I, I love it. I mm. love it. I think that is the essence of leadership. I really do. I think, 
I think we're so uh, ingrained uh, in all of our cultures. You know, it doesn't matter where we are. You know, here we are, we're in Australia. I travel all over the world. I know you do too. It's, un it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, we, we think we're so different, but in reality, we're really the same. Mm. You know, it's very interesting. And organizations are tend to be very, very structured, hierarchical. Um, but there is a movement, you know? Um, and so you're seeing this showing up? I'm starting to people see People pulling it. structures out, yeah, trying to keep them more flat. More and more, but it's slow. It's yeah. really, really slow. I think a lot of... I, I, I think as we see the younger, uh, uh, the young, the mass of talent. Uh, by the way, I think I, 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 I'm very hopeful of the future. I mm. think I think our young people all over the world are beautiful people, massively talented, um, and um, the the future leaders, the emerging leaders, are incredible people. I believe that we're going to have a better future than we've got now. Yeah. And I think with that, um, Kerwin, I think we're gonna start to see th this, this being much more commonplace. It's gonna take a while though, there's yeah. no question. We're just so ingrained. I, I do think though it's, it's really incredible now to see the influence that business leaders are having within like actual cultures themselves. Absolutely. It, it, they're almost becoming their own political power, you know, their, their own brand power. Yep. Uh, and the way that they influence not only, you know, Individuals, but even nations in some in some perspective. without question, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, we, you've mentioned the the, the the four A's, but I, I want to ask the question so we've got a nice cut of this. Yes, the four A's is your core curriculum. Is that right? Your it's 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 part of your core content. Yep, it's what you're one of your, probably what you're most well known for. When you talk about the four A's in your methodology, what are they? Um, it's it's about ultimately uh, if you're going to be an incredible leader, yeah. sustained a great leader for the rest of your life. Uh, I think it comes down to asking yourselves, yourself the, the really big question. You know, it's not about, like I said earlier, it's not about waking up in the morning and asking yourself, what is the essence or who is the essence of this person and leader that I want to become? You know, kind of put that to the side, okay? That's kind of a, a basic question, right? So I think, I think the greatest leaders that I've worked with may not have actually used the terminology, but the comp, the, the, as I break it down, I see those elements operating, which is they wake up every single day and they ask themselves, what is the essence or who is the essence of this personal leader that I must, must, must become? I, I know I'm connected in the stars, I'm not alone, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on the earth to touch people. And I think people, when people actually realize that leadership is not about them, it's not, ab not about you, you're wrong if it's about you. I, I do a lot of coaching and a lot of executives say, well, here's what I want to get done, you know, and then pretty quickly I'll, I'll introduce another concept, which is, <laughs> is bigger than that, right? It is, it is much bigger than that. I think, um, I, I think that's, that's vitally important. And, and so related to the, your question, which is great, right? It's about what is your legacy? Ultimately, as a person, that is the biggest question. How do you want to leave the earth? Right, so you know Steve Jobs's uh, Steve Jobs's legacy, right? And and he verbalized it to me, uh, and and he verbalized it many times, which was, "I'm on the earth to put a dent in the universe." Mm. Okay, not in the earth. Mm. I'm not on the earth to put a dent in the earth. I'm on the earth to put a dent in the universe. Okay, I get That's chills. A power perspective. No, I get chills yeah. on that. Okay. 
because he verbalized it to me, right? I get chills every time I, every time I say it. And I speak, I tell, I love to tell groups, right? I get chills when I, so <laughs> I, I awesome. think, I, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, but it's, it's, it's impacted how I, how I work my leadership, mm-hmm. right? So, so it is ultimately asking yourself my core purpose. You know, why am I on the earth? Those big questions. So what fuels the legacy? And I guess what I've discovered uh, a little bit of the research on this, but also just anecdotally working with executives, right? I've discovered that, boy, the igniters of your legacy based on four things. Are you doing worthy things in your life, right? It's about worthy achievement. Are you doing things that are moving the needle in the world, right? It's called worthy achievement. And if you're an entrepreneur, your business, right, and the people that you bring in, Are you creating a culture? Are you creating an environment where they can move the needle uh, around worthy achievement? Achievement in and of itself is not good enough. It's about worthy achievement. Are you moving the needle? A lot of people do things that are not worthy. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Second thing, altruism. It's it's a value that's beautiful. You know, what I've discovered is it's the least active engine in leaders. It's not igniting. For whatever reason, maybe, maybe it's a leader says, kind of weak to do that. But in reality, right, it's the most courageous thing that you can do, show your heart, right? It's, it's interesting, right? So it's, it's not active, yet it's very mature in my database, right? So this, this, is, this is not active, mm-hmm. but we have capability to make it active and beautiful. Altruism is a beautiful thing. I think the third one is affiliation, relationships, the bonds, yeah. right? And number four, it's the big, the biggest one is abundance, uh-huh. you know? And, and abundance isn't money. Yeah. You know, it's not that. It's not, it's not numbers. It's not, uh, am I on the Forbes, you know, richest list and all of that stuff? How many houses and cars? Totally irrelevant. The question is, am I touching hearts, minds, and souls? Mm-hmm. That's abundant. That is true abundance. There it is. Four A's. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and if you if you can if you can do those four things, yeah, your legacy is going to be beautiful. I like that. And then you can sleep at night. Very well. <laughs> and then sleep forever, <laughs> knowing that you've left something behind. There you go. Yeah, exactly. There's leadership. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say the number one goal of a great leader is to build more leaders, or the number one goal of a great leader is to have a vision, or the number one goal of a great leader is to be able to communicate clearly to your team to inspire them. Yeah. Uh, not saying that any of those are wrong, all of them are right, but I guess everyone's priority and hierarchy of what's important is really different. Yeah, you know, yeah. You've had a lot of experience with the people that you've coached. Yeah. You know, the people that you've worked with, obviously Steve Jobs being right up there. What have you identified if there was one goal of a leader in terms of the role of a leader? What is it? And how do we execute it? Well, I would say that in the world of business, it comes down to quickly, if that question's posed to them by me, it's about operating success. Ultimately, what, what can I do to drive a higher level of operating success? To what extent can I, can I create a culture of, of can do, mm-hmm. right, in my people, uh, where they believe, you know, ultimately that they've got the skills and capabilities required to drive the business forward? The culture of commitment, passion, drive, motivation, right? 
culture of, of alignment, you know, are people feeling aligned with the mission, vision, purpose, right? Are they also aligned with their core purpose, right? All of those, all of those are very, very important. I, I guess, Curran, when it comes down to it is, you know, ultimately it's about, given the pressure that exists in the world of business, and, and as, you know, let's talk about a small business owner, an entrepreneur, it's, you know, it's the revenues, you know, it's the revenues, you know, it's, it's, it's about that. But, but the mentality that I, I try to help successful entrepreneurs understand, successful CEOs, uh, is, is the leading indicator mentality that the magical operating success just doesn't happen, right? It's, it's, a, it's predicted. It's all predicted from a culture of can do. Do people believe? Believe here. Do people feel passion, right? Are people aligned with the direction that you're going in? That's huge because that's going to spill over to the will do. People aren't going to be motivated if they don't feel aligned, right? Yeah. There it is. Those are three leading indicators that will create an execution cu- culture where people are passionate, just like a team, just like it's, it's, it's like a sports team. It's all the same. And then the collaborative culture. So there it is. Operating success doesn't just happen. Successful entrepreneurs they make sure they create those cultures that are magical. Can do, will do, must do. And the beautiful thing about an incredible culture is it intra- attracts more incredible people. There you go. Exactly. At an employee level, at a client and, level. And word, word spreads. Yeah. Word spreads out there. So look, one of the things that I've found really interesting in, in all the businesses I've grown um, and, and also the business I'm involved in, once you get to a point in your business where it starts to grow fast, yes. you know, that's where leadership really matters. Oh, yeah. I've observed. Yeah. Yep. But one of the things that I've observed really matters apart from leadership is the ability to grow leaders really fast. Oh, yeah. Because you know, oftentimes as we grow, you know, we've got people within the business that are growing up with the business True. that by nature of the experience would be the be- best place to be positioned as a leader. Absolutely. So how do we, in fast growth environments, like in a, whether it be in a startup environment or a business that perhaps just hit a hot streak, yeah. how do we grow good leaders yeah. fast yes. without sacrificing quality? Well, I think you got to be a great role model, you know, and, and, and those, those leaders out there that I've witnessed who grow the, the emerging leaders and the future leaders and the high potential leaders that um, have got to get ready. We got to accelerate the development. I mean, that's the big challenge all over the world, you know. I mean, what, what can we do to accelerate the development of the massive young talent mm. to take over these leadership roles, uh, even in the small businesses, you know. So uh, you got to be a great role model. Uh, you've got to evidence all the things that we've talked about here today, Kerwin, all of those things, you know, and, and um, it's non-negotiable, period, you know. You've got to bring it every single day. And I think the other thing, too, is you've got to, you've got to provide opportunities for people to fail, you know, um, to uh, take on a responsibility that, to test them. You got to test them. It's the same thing on a sports team. You know, you, you got to test your talent, right? And then what, what happens is you, you could, because, because you want to disrupt zones, right? So you want to you you push the envelope, provide feedback and so on and so forth. I think that's very, very important. And it's hard for a lot of leaders to do that, mm. especially in an entrepreneurial situation where it's all been created by the entrepreneur. It's not the product. You know this. It's not the product. Uh, most entrepreneurs will fail. It's not because they're not delivering the product or service that 
their their customers don't want. So it's, it's not that's not the issue. It's not that they haven't they haven't identified the right customer base. Most entrepreneurs will fail because they can't scale. They don't have the leadership to scale. So it comes down to being incredible role models. Also comes down to picking who, in fact, are the future leaders, mm. right? Correctly. And who's the right talent? The right talent. Which is, you know, it begs the yeah. obvious next question. As a leader, um, you know, if we if we're going, if our business is going to live and die based on the, the the efforts of the people that we bring into the business, what are the key traits that we're looking for when it comes to good talent that will fit the right culture? Yeah, there's no question. Intellect is is, is very. I mean, obviously, that's uh, as I said earlier, but that's not the differentiator. You yeah. know, it's not the differentiator. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that we've talked about here today are all all very very important uh, identifiers. Um, privilege mindset is is such an important one that um, you know you've got to look for people who show up every day and you can tell their mindset is feel privileged mm. to be here and learn from you you know as as my as my boss and learn from others. What an incredible opportunity to show up every day, right? Maybe I'm not making the money that I thought I would, but you know something, I'm learning an incredible thing. Um, I think that's important. I think the other thing too is the people who are really hungry to learn, they're animals, they're absolute animals. They can't get enough. They drive you crazy, right? But people who are hungry to learn, I call that learning agility. That's a big predictor. That's a big predictor of future leadership potential. You've seen that, right? It's huge. You know, people who who really go after it. You know, they're not they're not sitting around waiting for you to go go do, do this and go do that. But they're hungry. They're being proactive. Huge people who uh, people who where when change happens, it doesn't blow them away. You know, they're cool. They're calm, collected. In fact, in fact, the, the, the highest potential people say, "Bring it on." Bring it, bring it on. You can't, you, can't, you can't scare me, right? That's the kind of stuff that, uh, to me, is so much more important than, than the raw intellect. Mm. Those are the people, in my mind, who are going to be the great leaders. That's fantastic. That is really good advice. Thank you. I, um, I read an article, I think it was from 1992 Forbes, from memory, where they had done a, a research paper where they'd studied like 30 years of the top 5% of the CEOs in the Fortune 500 yep. companies in the US, one of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, and they identified that they that the top 5%, uh, or was the top, maybe the top 2%, they all, they all shared three common traits. Yep. Um, oh, that reminds me of something. They all shared three common traits, uh, They one of three things. They either came from a competitive sporting background. Yep. They came from a background in military. Yes. Or they came from a background of you know extended periods of you know combat training like martial arts as an example. Yes. Yeah. Um, which really kind of suggests that discipline is a really important trait in a great leader or or, or just a, you know anyone in general who wants to do great things. With everything that you've done, how important have you identified as an indicator is discipline, and what are some of the things that you look for when trying to identify if someone has the discipline that you're looking for? Uh, big predictor, no yeah. question about it. Um, one of the one of the big questions that I'll ask when I coach uh, an executive is, uh, "Give me a sense of how you spend your day." Okay. Um, and if I hear that they get up at uh, you know six thirty in the morning, you know, uh, immediately I'm not impressed. On the other hand, when I hear I get up at four in the morning or four thirty in the morning, right? And I say, okay, that's pretty early. Um, 
And uh, they, they say, yeah, I, I do get up early. And I say, but how do you spend your time, right? And, and some of them are different, right? Some will, some will say I do some reading for like 30 minutes and then uh, I, I start to look at the email. Some, some get up, will work out, right? Uh, it, it doesn't matter. The, the point is they start their days early. And that to me, honestly, is a big, big example of discipline is having the ability to get up early and go hard all day, all day, mm-hmm. right? That's discipline. So, you know, I have a lot of questions that are asked to me, right? They say, people say, Hi, how'd you write all these? You wrote six books in the last five years. How'd you do it? Um, okay. Um, I did write the books. That's number one. Okay? <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to be cheeky. He had a good coach <laughs> yeah. So, So there you go. Yeah. I, I, I tell people, listen, you know, I, I, I certify coaches all over the world. I tell them, listen, I get up at four in the morning. Every day, Saturday, Sunday, it doesn't matter. I'm up early. So when I wrote the books, right, what did I do? I got up at three. Oh. I would write from three to five, right, every day. Yeah. And then I would work out for an hour, and then I would start my day. That's how I wrote my books. No kidding. Okay. So when I hear, when I, I I think discipline, and by the way, you know, we talk about Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. Steve Jobs had no discipline. Really? He slept he slept terrible hours. Wow. He was all over the map. The rhythm, you know, the circadian yeah. rhythm, yeah. off all the time, wow. all the time. Slept weird hours. He ate bad. He he was not a good, you know, he never really worked out. He shared that with me. Obviously, he wasn't well when I was talking to him and working with him a little bit. I think discipline uh, is, um, I, I guess you can be disciplined if you get up at 630. Yeah. But to me, when somebody says they get up really, really early and they use their time well, that's a that's a big thing to me. Yeah. Really big. You know, I heard a, a great saying once that business is easy, it's the discipline that's hard. Yeah. It's yep. so true. Um, look, I, I might have mentioned, like I've done a, we've done some interviews, but I've done a lot of work with the Navy SEALs and Special Forces yes. from Europe. Yep. Um, more interestingly, I, I just spent two days in San Diego with uh, the Chief Weapons Instructor from BUDS doing some some stress conditioning and some some special weapons and tactics training, great. which is fantastic. It's great. But I got the opportunity to sit down with him and ask him some great questions on these on these trips to and from yeah. the range. Yeah. And I was saying, you know, when it, when these guys go through buds, which is a six week intensive, yep. you know, which ends with hell week where they only sleep for twenty to forty minutes for the entire yes. week. They're basically brutalized consistently for the last, you know, however many, fifty years or so, I'm not even sure how long it has been, the failure rate has been eighty percent. Yep. No matter what they deploy, no matter what they employ, no matter how many millions of dollars that they'd use to psychometrically analyze behaviors and everything else, it's still an 80% failure rate. Yep. And I said to him, what's the one key thing? And I've heard this mentioned yeah. many times yeah. before. And, but I wanted to see, you know, does, do all the Navy SEALs guys say this? And he, I said, so what's the one key thing that you've observed, which means the difference between, you know, one of these young kids failing and one of these young kids succeeding? And he didn't skip a bit. He goes, grit. He says, the ability to keep going when it hurts the most. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as he said that, I was like, wow, that's just so true in business Like, because there's been so many times. So as a leader, you know, because leaders, they, they, they wear everything, all the pain, all the, all, the fla- all the fame, all the pain. Absolutely. So within your experience, how important is resilience as an indicator when it comes to being a successful leader? But more importantly, is it something that people can learn how to become better at? Can people learn how to become more resilient? But firstly, is it important? I would say it's... Uh critical. Um, the word I, I like to use is animal. Are you an animal? <laughs> Literally, right? Yeah. 
I do think sports, by the yeah. way, uh, teaches very, very important lessons. The competitive nature of athletics taught at a young age. Uh, and it doesn't matter how good you are. Mm. You know, honestly, the ability to learn how to compete uh, is, is very, very important. I think it does ignite um, the, the genes, right, that teach you resilience uh, to be able to handle successes and failures, right? It's incredible. Yeah, right? it's huge. But you've just had a really important component that competition breeds grit. Absolutely. Competition breeds resilience. Absolutely. And that's actually one connection I've missed for a very long time is like, how do you develop grit? Well, discipline. But discipline, how do we employ discipline in a way that is maybe fun? Maybe competition. Competition. Competition is huge. That's huge. Massive. Huge. Yeah. Wow. You know, some of the, you know, it's, I, that's why I love to, you know, I interview these, these executives. You know, I, I spend three hours with them before I actually start to use the assessments and I find out a lot about them. And then obviously I watch them. You know, I like to sit and watch them in meetings and stuff like that. And um, you know who was tough? I'll tell you who was tough. Jack Walsh was tough. He's one of your clients. Well, actually, I knew him. Right. I didn't work with him. Right. But all the great leaders that I've ever had the privilege of working with I've seen the grit. I've seen the yeah. toughness. You know, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I know Jeff. He's an animal. I mean, honestly, he he. That guy is tough. Yeah. You don't mess with him, right? <laughs> you just do not us mess with him. Us are us. Yeah. You Jack Walsh. Yeah. You don't mess with that guy. Yeah. Right. right? Now, and I mean it from the standpoint of, you talk about incredible conviction, right? You're not going to stop me. You know, and a lot of it is where where these people grew up. You know, they, they maybe didn't have a lot of money, you know. Another guy, Tiger Tayajarajan from India, right? This guy runs, runs Genpact, which was a spinoff of GE. Many, many years ago, um, Curran, Jack Walsh saw this guy from India, right? This guy, Tiger, perfect name. Said, boy, this guy's smart, but I love his tenacity. He's an animal. This is Jack Walsh many years ago, right? He said, I'm going to let this young guy run Genpact. Genpact. Uh, was an entity within GE. It spun out a few years ago, right? So I work with Tiger, right? You talk about an animal, right? You talk, he, he is, people love him. The, the people in his business, his clients love him because they love his what? Passion. Mm. Passion, right? He brings it every single day. Every single day. I'll talk about him tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, um, before we get into the big, because I've, I've left Steve, the conversation around Steve yeah. a little bit towards the end, because yeah. I'm really curious, really oh, yeah. curious for a yeah. whole range of reasons. But before we jump into that um, big juicy orange, a lot of there's a lot of myths that are perpetrated around leadership, you know, that often end up as bumper stickers. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of them are true, and some of them just, you know, sound like a good Hallmark card. <laughs> <laughs> We're honest, right? Yeah. But in your perspective, and again, you've worked with a lot of people, you travel the world, leadership is your specialty. What is the biggest myth that you have seen that is perpetrated uh, around leadership? World is flat style. I think the biggest one is that uh, you know, you're born, you're born uh, a leader. I, I think there are certain people who have a predisposition, predisposition yeah. Kerwin, genetically, right, yeah. to lead others. And you can see it at a young age. You really can. You can see it in the classroom. You can see it on the sports field. You can see people who have a DNA for leading others. Um, but guess what? Most, most, most leaders um, have maybe uh, a moderate DNA and a potential for leadership. 
that if we can teach them the right principles and the right values and strengthen the inside, we increase the probability that all that greatness can explode out in the world, right? And that is leadership. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Yeah. So that's what I would say. So now to the juicy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Steve Jobs. I've had a love-hate relationship with that man. I don't even know who he is, but I have have been inspired by him. Oh, yeah. I've been scared by him. Um, just through my, because again, I'm one of these fanatical researchers who just uh, loves to research the people who are just incredible what they do. Steve Jobs is obviously, you know, has gone down in history as Legend. someone who has changed the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, like literally changed the world. Yep. But what I'm curious to know is, first of all, how did your paths cross? I got lucky. I got, I got lucky. So I wrote a book called Success Yourself in 1996. The book was a disaster. <laughs> Get it on Amazon right now. <laughs> Sold one copy, right. you know? And uh, I tell the story, actually. It's kind of funny uh, today. It wasn't, wasn't funny back then. Yeah. Um, you know, I tell the story, you know, guess who, guess who bought the book? And everybody says, oh, your wife bought the book. <laughs> no, it wasn't my wife. It was my mother. My mother bought it. She felt so bad for me. I thought you were so, going to say Steve Jobs. So. <laughs> it's, we sold a few copies, I guess, but... Anyway, it was a disaster, and and then after that book died, I I just you know my wife and I looked at each other and said that's it, you know I'm going to go back in the business world. So in that book were the principles of intelligent leadership today. It, it was way too early for the book. The book didn't resonate in the world. It was ahead uh, of its time. It was. It, it, I, I think a little bit of it was. I think um, uh, that. Uh, it, it just, it, a lot of, it just didn't work, okay? So I put the book on the bookshelf, and I always said to myself, there's good stuff in that book. I'm going to go in the corporate world for 15 years, which was a good move, by the way. Yeah. I learned a lot. I yeah. learned big time. And I, and I got fired, and I got laid off twice, you know, and I got tough, right? You got to get tough. Sometimes you got to get beat up a little to you get tough. You got to get beat up. And uh, so anyway, uh, in that book, I had an assessment called the MLEI, Right? but it was the first iteration of that assessment. My background's IO psychology. I know a lot about assessments and test construction and all of that stuff, right? Really? Yeah, industrial psych, yeah. Huh. It's my background. So I got my master's and I did my PhD for a year and I got sick of school, but I, I, I know a lot about tests and construction, so I created a test called the MLEI, okay? He took it. He actually t- read the book, Success Yourself, and took the assessment. I get a call from Apple, one year, one year from his death in 2010. And he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you about the results. And one thing went to the next. I flew out to Cupertino and, and met with him. And I figured it was just going to be one meeting. Yeah. And uh, the meeting didn't go well the first 30 minutes. And I couldn't believe this guy. I mean, you talk about dominant, quick fast, dominating, opinionated, right? Pushy, arrogant, use whatever word. I said to myself, I'm done. I am never going to see this guy again, right? <laughs> so, true story, yeah. right? I said to myself, if I don't switch it, right, I'm done. So, I noticed something that when I raised my voice and I spoke with conviction, he shut his mouth. So I started to do it more. All of a sudden, 
He's listening. <laughs> and I'm talking, right? And now I'm sharing the results of the assessment. And at the end of the meeting, he said, you know, actually, uh, I'd like to talk to you again. So it led to four coaching sessions with him. Now, I tell people, yes, I did coach him. I didn't execute with him what I do with other executives, nine months in depth, right? Yeah. But, but that's what happened. So I, I'm not afraid to say I got lucky. Um, and I learned so much from him, you know, yeah. in those four sessions. I think he learned a little bit from me too, honestly. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, what, what was it, first of all, what was it like to coach Steve? You know, whether it be for whatever period of time you did it, you, you're obviously in his space with him. What is that like? It was very, very challenging. Uh, it got better in sessions two, three, and four. Right. Here's the reason why. Um, and I think I got lucky here too because he became, I, I don't think in his DNA, he was very vulnerable, okay? Yeah. We used that word earlier, yeah. right? But I noticed that uh, as he as he stared death, right? He knew he was dying. So you were coaching him while he was? Yeah, he was declining. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but he started to share things with me, his regrets, you know, regrets about family, regrets about husband, you yeah. know, parenting. Okay. Do you think death was bringing out the humility? Big time, huge, no question about it. And I think I invited it too, you know, just by asking some questions and the assessment, honestly, yeah. the assessment's pretty deep. Yeah, right. So that ignited the vulnerability. And, and, then, and then I think when he started to feel just a little bit of trust with me, he started to open up a little bit more in sessions two, three, and four. And ultimately, the big takeaway for me was that uh, this guy had a heart. You know, and I don't think the movies depicted that, Kerwin. You know, the movies about him um, really, really didn't really share that much about, he, he did have a heart. You know, his, his heart was, was actually very, very strong. He may not have ignited it enough in his life. This was really, really strong, obviously. His intellect was off the charts. I mean, there's no question he was a genius. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what the IQ was. It was high. Yeah, right. The highest, I've, highest I've ever seen. Yeah. Intimidating, that, that would be the word. He was very intimidating, but it softened. It really was interesting. It softened because I was assertive. Well, you're kind of going exactly where I wanted to go, which is how do you coach a personality like that? Because like Steve Jobs, huge personality. Gotta be tough, gotta be direct. Yeah, right. And that's the thing, you know, there, there's some coaching uh, schools out there um, that's that certified coaches, right? Where they, what they teach is, hey, you gotta, you gotta, gotta go it slow. I don't teach that. I, I teach, you know, you got to treat people the way they want, they want to be treated. If, you, if you're dealing with a really direct, forceful person, you, you better meet them. You better be forceful and direct. They're going to run right over you. And I knew it. I knew it. I knew it in the first meeting that uh, I was in trouble. <laughs> but you came back for I raised times. my voice. Yeah. I simply raised my voice. Yeah. And I picked up my pace. Yeah, right. And when I did it, I saw him back up. I said, I got him. And uh, the, the, other, the, the rest of it was, I think he, he, he became very introspective. Mm -hmm. I think he started to be comfortable with me so that he could open up about his family, his regrets. Um, ultimately, what I gave him was some ideas on what he could do differently and better on the traits where he did not score that well on the assessment. Now, I don't reveal to the world his scores and yeah. all of that. Although I do, I do share that he scored a fifty-nine. Yeah. 
on the artist trait, and he also scored a 55 on the driver trait, which is your, your tough. That's the real tough, that's the tough trait, right? right. He scored a 55, that's high. Um, and, and by the way, the bad cholesterol side of that trait is, is aggressiveness. Right. It, fascinating, right? Yeah, right. So I, I literally worked with him on things that he could do differently and better to make those traits more mature. So that was it. Uh, at the end, you know, we shook hands. I wished him all the best. And um, I think it shows much of who Steve is as a man. The fact that even though he was on, you know, he was, he was, you know, he was declining. He knew where it was going. I said that. He didn't have to do, he didn't have to change. No, and that's why I, I love what you just said. And in fact, I've said that. Uh, I, I think he was an incredibly courageous mm. human being. Now, he was in a lot of pain. Enormous. Pancreatic cancer. Come on. Yeah. I mean. Well, I think he personally, just by reading his story, I think he was in a lot of pain before the cancer. Like, I think the, the, the cancer to me, uh, like, seemed like some manifestation of something internal for him. Like, he, was, he just seemed like a guy that was in pain. Curran, one of the things I, I uh, it's some, some people know this, um, I didn't share. Um, until 2014 that I even worked with him. There were some people really close to me that knew that I spent some time with him. Yeah. I always felt reluctant to yeah. take advantage of the fact until I had some people very, very well-known in the world of leadership said, Matone, I don't know what you're doing, but he's been gone. I, I think you need to kind of share with the world what you did with him. Mm. And so it, it finally got out about two, two and a half years ago. Um, but I've also learned from other incredible executives. Roger, Roger Rico was a magical CEO um, that I worked with, PepsiCo chairman, CEO. What an incredible, incredible person. Yeah. Bill Logue, FedEx. I worked with Bill Logue for about a year wow. when he was a FedEx freight CEO reporting to, to Fred Smith. Those were pivotal uh, learning experiences for me, yeah. you know? that has helped me grow my business and my brand yeah, no to what it is today. Look, you've kind of touched on this already, but I'll ask just yeah. so that we've got the yeah. right. With Steve, like, what did you see Steve's greatest strength as a leader? He clearly wasn't all, sh all bad. Yeah. You know, and again, I, and I don't want to prime you with this, but I'm, I'm going to suggest it anyway. Um, one of the things that I really admire about Steve was his complete abandonment of reality. He would abandon reality and take people on a journey, and it was even you know, called the reality distortion field. True. Where he could distort reality to such a degree with such impact and power yep. that everyone in the space would literally be convinced of things that they once thought were impossible. Um, so to me, and again, as a leader, oh my God, how important is it as a leader to be able to convince people to do things that they think are impossible? Um, but I am curious to know, and again, I really hope that didn't prime you, and I probably should have waited until after. To no, no, to it's fine. That. It's fine. But I am curious to know from your experience with Steve and the observations, what did you identify was his greatest strength natively, naturally? Disruptor. Huge disruptor. Maybe the greatest disruptor I've ever seen. Mm. He knew exactly what he was doing, Curran. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew, he knew that as he disrupted people and teams, Apple, he wanted to disrupt the world right? He did it in such a way of disrupting reality, right? Distorting reality. I love the way you put that. And put into people's minds this future whatever. Not exactly sure what it looks like, right? But he would put it out there in not a real concrete way that would be compelling, where people would say, wow, there's a lot of conviction behind 
what he's projecting out here is this, we're not sure what it looks like, right? But ultimately, what he did was, as, as all great disruptors do, this thing out here was perceived by everybody to create more pleasure individually and collectively, right? Than the current situation. So, so he could bring people here and here and here by the strength of that vision. So he was a visionary, he was a disruptor. I think that was his greatest gift. Yeah. Not a great leader. If he was here today, I'm pretty sure he would say, I would admit. But when we look at him as a leader, what do you think was his greatest strength as a leader? Was he, was he a disruptive leader? Like- he was a disruptive leader. I think he pushed people to learn. I think right. he pushed people to grow. He pushed the envelope. And guess what? If you, and Welsh was like this too. You know, if, if you weren't on board, you're gone, period. And Bezos was like that too. Is that a good trait in a leader? I, I, I think, I, I think, yes. I think you gotta be careful how you do it. How you execute, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I think it's a good thing because it's raising the bar constantly. It's about don't ever, don't ever rest on your laurels. Mm. So I think that was, I think those were his greatest gifts. I think his greatest, the other thing too, was he was a collaborator. And I don't think he got enough credit for it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's He very, was magical yeah, in pulling yeah, yeah. people together. That's very Come true. on, he got people together. Mm. He was a coalescer. I love that word. He kind of pulled people together. The movies didn't depict that. He was beautiful. He didn't do it enough. Mm. You know, and that's because that artist trait, the bad side of that artist trait was more present, right? Yeah, right. So under stress, he would become more self-absorbed. But when he was not under stress, he would coalesce, who was a beautiful, beautiful tr- uh, attribute of his. Um, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure that if he was in this interview, he would say, uh, Kerwin, I was not a great leader. I could have done better, better. I think he, I think I'd agree. I, I think so. But I am curious to know, and again, this is not to pick a, a man apart who, who's not, who doesn't have the ability here to defend himself. Um, I've come out the other side and I have an incredible level of acceptance for who he is on both the dark oh, and sure. the light side now. Yep. Yep. Cause he's just taught me so much it, just through books. You know, which is, which is madness. Absolutely. Um, but I am curious to know if you've identified his greatest weakness as a leader. And you've probably mentioned it, yeah. but it would make a good question. Yeah, I think, I think he, uh, I think the, the anger, the aggressiveness um, hurt him. I think it derailed him. Uh, I think he alienated people. I think he scared people. I think he was intimidating. He was intimidating to me. Uh, quickly. I mean, it was quick, pushy, talking fast, um, manner, facial expressions, body movement, right? How, how people were very in- intimidating, incredibly impatient, I mean, off the charts. I mean, you know, just wouldn't even allow you to talk, right? Um, I think uh, I think he became self-absorbed a lot. Uh, I think he would retreat a lot, so it was either people would see explosion or he would retreat. When, when people needed him, when people needed him to be a leader, right, he'd run away. So I'm not sure which one predicted what or what, how he would do it, but that's, we saw extremes, you know, and, and I, think, I think those were de- derailers that affected his, his leadership. Yeah. I think it's also incredible for us to be able to reflect on someone who's so flawed, who has created something so incredible, yeah. 
and use that as really a reference to go, we don't have to be perfect. You know, we still can succeed as flawed individuals, but we can That's also take point. the lessons, you know, take the lessons of those who have gone before us. But it does really provoke a, a, a powerful question. You know, he was considered by many to be ruthless, demanding, <laughs> unrealistic. As I said, there was even yeah, the reality yeah. distortion field that was coined on his ability to manipulate people's perception. You know, a lot of people have this belief that if I want to be a great leader, if I want to build a big business and I have to be ruthless, like do we all, like if we want to build something like Apple as an example, do we have to be ruthless? No. No, and I think that's one of the reasons that we're, we're not breaking through uh, in the world of leadership. You know, you think about it, we've got uh, a skewed distribution, right? If we were to measure the intellect of people at Apple, for example, right? Or, or, or any, uh, any organization, in Amazon, I mean, the, the IQs are high. But when you look at leadership, it's, it's a bell-shaped curve. That's not good enough. We got to skew the distribution, you know. So I think the constructs that exist, the notions about what great leadership is, off. Been off for many, many years. This is the piece that's missing right here, you know. The, the, this 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 trait's not igniting. Mm. Maybe it's I, I fear showing too much of this because people are going to look at me as weak. When when in reality, when in reality, showing this is courage. This is courage, right? Being vulnerable, opening up, being altruistic, being caring, all of that stuff. Now again, it means the other things got to operate too, right? You still got to you still got to operate. On, on all cylinders on the other things. Um, so I would say that, um, you know, this, this is the piece right here that, that we've got we to let it out more because what I've seen, and I've measured this with the assessment, right? It's incredible. It's not activating, yet it's the most mature trait that exists. What does that tell us? Mm. We've got massive potential. We've got to unleash it. And when we unleash it, Right, we're going to see leaders touching hearts, minds, and souls. That's what it's all about. Yeah, nice hearts, minds, and souls. You, you just reminded me of something that happened um, about four years ago, actually, in our company, and it was not long after I'd read the Walter Isaacson's um, edition of, of the Steve Jobs story, yep. where he was talking about he just refused to work with B players, and it was all about the A players. A players, yep. Uh, and I remember this is going about four years ago. We just had an event. Uh, there was a number of things that went wrong, and I went back into my office. And I call it the Jerry Maguire moment, but on reflection, I should probably call it the Steve Jobs moment. Jerry Maguire sounds better. You know, we had the, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Fish, the fish in the bag. like, who's yes. with me? And I, I literally walked into the office and it was inspired by, you know, Steve and yes. by the book. And yes. I drew a line in the sand. I was like, guys, you know, there's something you got to understand. There's, most of you here are playing as B players. And if you want to survive in this Good environment and move forward, Good you have to be an A player. Good for you. And if you don't want to be here or if you've identified that you're not a B player or if this isn't for you, then just let me know, okay? And I'll be happy to, you know, part, part as good friends. That's the short version. It was pretty intense. Um, I had three quarters of my team leave in the next two weeks. Okay? Yep. More than half in the next two days. Yep. Um, but what was interesting is we actually doubled in the next three months as a result of cutting, the, the, removing those B Huge. players. Huge. And then, and one of the things I believe is void, voids create vacuums. You know, when, when people are there, there's no vacuum to replace. That's and if right. We have, if we hold on to people just for the sake of holding on to people, right. there's no inertia. There's no, right. there's no vacuum. And so I, I was so inspired by the result that I've, 
I've had uh, two other Jerry Maguire moments that have been very simple because they're just so effective. Like, <laughs> you know, one of them was actually done on email where I, I, I was actually, I, you know, there have been a few things that are going on. I was jumping on a plane to Thailand, spent a week with some friends on a golfing trip, and I, I sent an email and offered everyone in the company two months' salary to leave. I was just like, you know what? B, B player mentality has crept back into the business. You know, and for those of you that know that you're not a B player and you're feeling out of your depth, here's your invitation to leave. No hard feelings. Great leadership. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you to leave. Um, and it worked. You know, it, it, it deselected the people that didn't need to be there without any liability whatsoever as well. Um, and again, that really does come back. Th- those two things were probably some of the scariest things that I've probably had to do you know, as, as a business owner because if you have your, obviously the whole entire team leaves, you know, you're screwed. So it does take a lot to do that. But that was inspired by Steve's, you know, his, his perspective on I only want to work with A players. So I thought it would be worth just sharing that. Um, bef- as we wind up, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, John. You're an incredible man. Your energy is incredible. Like it really is. Thank you, Karen. Um, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this. Yours is too. Thank, thank you. you yeah, no, this is thank great. This great banter. Great. Um, to me, the greatest humans on the planet are the ones that have the ability to lead people. But in order to tie this off, I'm just curious to know from you, what does it mean to be a superhuman leader? Superhuman leader is take every element of your life, every element, personal life, family life, business life, spiritual life, on and on and on. You take every element and it's about optimizing every element of your life. And because when you think about it, Kerwin, we're not all operating and also we're humans, right? But if we have the discipline to put our heads on the pillow every night and ask ourselves the questions, and I think it's every single night, in this area of my life, my family, right? What did I do well today? Where did I fall short? And if you fell short, maybe you said something to one of your kids that was not correct, maybe you were angry, whatever, maybe you could have handled something better with with a spouse or partner or whatever, you got to commit the next day to making making a positive improvement. And and so I, I think that's true for every element of our life, having the sense of accountability to the fact that we're connected in the stars here. We're not alone. And people rely on us. So therefore, it's non-negotiable. <laughs> right? Thank you so much, mate. Um, before I ask where, well, I'll ask the question, where do people go to find out more about you? But, and also, add on to that, where can people go to do this assessment? Yes. Well, uh, f- first thing is, people can hit the website. Uh, very simple, johnmatone.com. Uh, hit the website. Got a lot of uh, free resources out there, blogs, all of that stuff. Um, you can also go into the store. I've got a store, literally, that people can go to and, and order uh, the MLEI assessment. They'll get an interpretive report. Yep. And if they want a coaching report, they got to pay a little bit more money, and yep. we'll generate a coaching report that provides more detail. And we actually do debriefs. You know, we literally would do a debrief. And I, do, I actually do do them. I, I enjoy doing wow, them. But we've got, we've got certified coaches who, who do the debriefs, too. I love yep. doing that stuff. So that's probably the best way to do it. All right. Fantastic. Yes. JohnMatone.com. You got it. Thank you so much for being here, John. Current. I'm amazing. Thank you so much. Real pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Man. All right. <laughs> there you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host. 
Kerwin Ray. And do me a favor, don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say. And your reviews make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media, at Kerwin Ray. 